Have you ever wondered how successful architecture, engineering, and construction companies scale their business? Or have you ever wanted guidance on how to get more growth, wealth, and freedom from your AEC company? Well, then you're in luck. Hi, I'm Will Forat. And I'm Justin Nagel, and we're your podcast hosts. We interview successful AEC business leaders to learn how they use people, process, and technology to scale their businesses. So sit back and get ready to learn from the industry's best. This is Building Scale. Today's guest is Ira Singer. Ira is the founder and chief marketing officer and chief communications officer of Mosaic Construction. Mosaic Construction is a relationship-focused, full-service design-build firm specializing in commercial cannabis, multifamily, and residential renovation, remodeling, and building services. Mosaic also has two affiliate brands underneath it, Design Construction Concepts and Cannabis Facility Construction. Ira co-founded Mosaic in 2005 and has shared his 30-plus years of construction experience with the team members, his clients, and the industry every day. He has been featured on several podcasts and other speaking engagements in the construction industry, real estate, uh, commercial real estate, and cannabis spaces. And uh, in the last six years, Mosaic has uh, made quite the name for themselves in the cannabis area. And we're going to talk about that and how they've been able to 10x their business here in the last six years. So uh, with all that said, Ira, welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Justin. That's uh, that sounds good. All that stuff. I'm I'm impressed. Oh, yeah, that's uh, that's about me. Oh, yeah. So that's uh let's let's talk. Yeah, so uh, I I I try to I always try to make the guests sound great, but they usually do a better job than I do. So uh tell us about you. Tell us about your origin story. Tell us about the not only the one brand but all three brands. Happy to do it and and thank you for, you know, inviting me to be a guest. Uh my my story starts in the uh, window replacement business as a home improvement contractor late in the 80s and uh for the 90s and you know early 2000s i owned a home improvement contracting company that was doing residential replacements window siding roofing uh it got into interior renovations through my relationships uh we started doing some multifamily exterior renovations of large scale window replacements siding roofing gutters uh, in apartment communities several years after you know i got started uh, I had always stayed in relationship with a gentleman that I was at college with, and he was in the residential custom design uh, work as an architect uh, and contractor with a boutique commercial practice. And just through, you know, kismet, we uh, got together and Mosaic Construction was formed uh, after I left my uh, home improvement company. And we have since we are together, Mosaic Construction has two other brand verticals that you mentioned. Design Construction Concepts is the original company my partner founded as a design builder out of school, uh, which works in the custom residential, I would say somewhat of a luxury brand, custom finishes, uh, design build, working with architects, engineers, and designers. Uh, mostly on single family or condo in you know luxury address locations, boutique commercial as well in hospitality. Uh, we've built out some welcome areas within condo lobbies or law office buildouts, conference rooms and amenity spaces. So uh, that's the second brand. And through one of our relationships, uh, you know, somewhat of a theme of our growth, the client we had, we were doing retail tenant build out for in a strip mall. 
And uh, unbeknownst to us, they had applied for, were awarded three medicinal cannabis licenses uh, at the start of the program in Illinois and hired us as their design builder, as they trusted us as a contractor. Uh, they did not know uh, the first thing about design build for dispensaries. We were learning as well, but they uh, came to us and we said yes. And that has led to the creation of Cannabis Facility Construction, which is our third brand vertical, which is a national cannabis design build company. Uh, we are currently uh, working over the lifespan of our cannabis uh, work in 13 states and on our 80th plus project, either in dispensary, cultivation, uh, lab work, processing, infusion, extraction. And uh, we've taken advantage of a nascent industry and we have uh, built that brand uh, to having brand recognition, which has been exciting and terrific. That's awesome. I def we definitely want to dive into the cannabis side specifically, but growth, right? Scaling, right? Building scale. So you you have six years of crazy growth is the way I would put that. That always comes with challenges. So you think about going from six people, uh, projected 27 at the end of the year here, or 25 plus, kind of what, what did you find to be challenging in this time? Obviously, this is huge growth in a short period of time. So tell us the, tell us the tale. That's, uh, you know, that's part of the uh, learning curve of, you know, how we've been able to do what we've done. Uh, foundationally, we've always been relationship-based. So a lot of our team members come from referrals from team members. And so when we have good people and they bring us good people, really the, the scale can't happen without rockstar talent and making sure we have the right people in the right seats for the positions that we are creating uh, or duplicating. You know, we have, we work in a team atmosphere. And so between a project, you've got four key team members that rinse and repeat on a variety of different projects. And those roles have been defined, but we've split some of the responsibilities to create a new role to have more support and administrative support within these large scale projects. So finding the right people, I would say, is probably the biggest challenge. You know, the national headlines are, it's a tight labor market. There was high unemployment, then there was very quickly less employment and finding the quality team member uh, culturally aligned to us, hiring for, you know, cultural fit, work ethic, and then training for talent and expertise is uh, something that has helped us big time scale the business. So, I mean, obviously we believe culture is huge. That is obviously a, a people part of the people process and technology of scaling a business. So when you talk about culture, one of the things you'd mentioned in the pre-interview is a yes and attitude. What is that to you? What is a yes and attitude? And how does that give you an advantage over your competitors? The opportunities that come in front of us are diverse. Uh, because of the three brands and all the various project types we work in, not every project is a good fit, but having such diversification within the types of projects that we do, it's easier to say yes and. You know, if you're a home improvement contractor and that's all you do is window siding roofing and your best client who's bought, you know, three different uh, improvements from you comes to you and says, I own this law office and we need a makeover and I trust you. But the home improvement contractor says, well, I'm only in the window siding business. I don't do interior build outs, et cetera, et cetera. Then he can't say yes. By saying yes, 
our world and our business offering has expanded, not only from geographics where we were limited to Illinois and Indiana, Wisconsin that are adjacent to, but you know, cannabis took us far away from home and we said, yes, we can figure out a way to scale the business in Maryland uh, or even four hours south in Illinois still, our, our first cultivation, but it wasn't our you know, our regular trades that were up in the Chicago market driving every day four hours to go build that project. We found trades locally. So, you know, saying yes to we can do it and figure it out. You know, some sometimes it's building the plane as we're flying it. That's, you know, that's the price of scaling quickly and saying yes. Because we have said yes, we've been open to opportunities uh, and it's caused a significant growth in our team size, our revenue line, the types of projects we're doing, the states that we're working in. So, you know, we're judicious about yes, but it is absolutely part of our DNA to be yes. And especially because those asks are coming from existing relationships. We are being asked by people that we have done work with that are referring us to opportunities, strong relationship-based business, and want to say yes to the people that are thinking about us and bringing us into new opportunities. So it's a little interesting because, you know, you talk about this, yes, and, but that, you know, and in saying yes to those new opportunities, but on the flip side, wouldn't that go against, you know, scale? Because if it's your first time doing something, you don't necessarily have the processes around that. So why would someone want to go with you that first time, right? Because that's actually how you got into the whole business to begin with, right? Into a whole new line that has become a great, great majority and a whole new brand, right? Right. 100% true, Will. The person that asked in transparency, we need help. We don't know what we're doing. You don't know what you're doing. We recognize that, but we trust you. So that all boils down in its essence to the state of the relationship. Transparency supporting a trust factor. So in construction, whether we have done that type of asset, it's a new asset class, it's a new geography, it's working with new trades. We know how to manage the trades and the vendors. Uh, we understand construction workflow and the construction schedule and timeline, You know, pre-construction work, design build work, launch the project and get it to punch list and close out. We understand that whole cycle, whether it's a apartment asset, a cannabis asset, a single family home. And so when we're saying yes, it's based on what we know from a, being construction professionals to be able to you know, help design build it if we're charged in that hire, we might be bidding it and winning it competitively. And sometimes when we're breaking into a new industry, we are competitively bidding. We're throwing our hat in the ring. We're saying yes and to competitively bid to win it. And it might be an area that is a stretch for the type of project that it is. And, you know, when you say yes, and now we have, I don't know, 20 different types of remodels and asset classes, specific little niche projects that give us experience to say yes to the next opportunity because we can leverage what we have learned. So, you know, it's calculated risk, I guess I would say. Um, but transparency and having a proven track record of 30 years is a lot for us to leverage. So obviously focused on relationships. That's a big, it's a big piece of, of your company. 
um, and certainly how you got into the cannabis space. So how do you, how does one start that? I mean, like, you know, it's, I feel like we always talk to people that are like relationships are super important. Be, be on top of relationships, but how, how would one go about that? If I didn't have any relationships, walk into a market, walk into an industry, how do I start to do that? Well, so you got to put yourself out there. Um, that is uh, part of the bravery of stepping into a new opportunity is, you know, you have to ask for what you're looking for. You have to be brave to, you know, you show up at a giant industry event, you know, nobody you're breaking in and you, you strike up a conversation, you know, you, uh, you ask questions, you look to give understand, you know, understand what that person does. Maybe somebody in your network would be a good introduction for them. I find that some of our success is the fact that not only are we generous with revenue to nonprofits, we're also invested in our communities from serving on various boards of various nonprofits. And so the reputation of what we've built allows for people to know that we're good guys. We happen to be construction professionals. So yay, if that's what they're looking for. But if they're just looking to have a good relationship with somebody who shows up when they say they're going to show up at the event that they've been helping to plan, you know, that builds a certain amount of attraction where people want to do pe- do business with people they know, like, and trust. So I think it starts internally that says, I'm okay to go out and try and make a new relationship to give to have a mindset that if we have something that matches up, we would be a good match. We could say yes to them and they get something out of the relationship because we gave first. I mean, there's, there's just a whole bunch of, I would say like intentional action around building relationships. It's part of, if I was in my office, uh, we have part of our cultural flagpole, the mosaic actions and one of the actions is build relationships because it's not just Ira or my partners. You know, there's there's many, many other team members that have relationships with trade partners and vendors that have relationships with the building managers for the assets we're working in, that have relationships to the owners of these trade companies that are sending in their invoices to us. Relationships are throughout my organization and we want to be collaborative, team centric. We want to be valued by our client that we see things through their eyes for a return on investment or a workflow uh, process improvement to help the project speed through better. You know, we're, we're constantly looking as to how the relationships that we have can be enhanced. And we also ask of our existing relationships to meet new relationships. That's what the secret sauce is that because we have such a decent network of trusted and you know diverse network relations, if we want to do something, we can go on our LinkedIn profile, look at their connections. We can make a phone call and say, hey, I'm thinking about so-and-so, this industry, this type of person. You might be the person that knows somebody like that. Can I ask you for you know uh, an introduction? Everything that we've accomplished in business has been foundational in relationships. Long, long uh, answer. So sorry. (laughs) No, 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 that's okay. I actually made me think we just talked to somebody that they're in the, they're in the lights uh, side of the business. uh, And after the podcast, I'll give you a little bit more information about them, but it might be a a connection that might be beautiful for you, both of you. So great. Excellent. 
So it's interesting. You had mentioned something already multiple times, which is trade partners. Why do you use the term trade partners instead of subs or subcontractors? Uh, that's part of, you know, I would say relationships. <laughs> the uh, the person who is owning or owning the trade company or working in the project as the trade uh, is really responsible for delivering production excellence. All the trades and all the vendors that we work with, they are the stars of the show. We see our role as producer directors and without them leading with their talents in plumbing, electric, HVAC, concrete, you name the trade, they all have a value within the overall project flow to raise them as trade partners and not as subs creates a partnership and a team framework. Subcontractors is a, you know, it's a hierarchy situation where I'm the general, you're the sub, connotes a we're more important, better. None of that washes with us. Without our trade partners and the value that we give them, uh, the the management uh, and collaboration that we work with them on, we would not have nearly the successful company, you know, that we would because we do not employ direct labor. Everything we do in delivering on all of our different project types is with third party independent companies who are our trade partners. There's no no one at Mosaic is wearing a tool belt, doing light demo or some minor framing or painting work. It's all independent trade partner and it doesn't matter if it's apartments or residential or cannabis, that is our business model. So you should, let's talk more about that. So you don't have any direct labor. You're the paper general, as you say, your producer, director. So what benefits does that give you? And and do you ever think, are we leaving money on the table because we're not facilitating that part of the project? It's a good question and a subject that we have danced around a few times. We continue to land on the current model that we operate under, which is uh, we don't employ direct labor. There's a couple primary reasons. One is by having people on the payroll that are specific to project work. If there is not the project work, then you're paying them to basically do nothing or you know, sweep up, run an errand. You know, that's not necessarily the best and highest use. Now, certainly in our current pace with our current project load, we could plug and play people into the project, but a lot of our work is national. And so for us to employ a laborer to travel out to these projects and be a one-person demo helper when we need a seven-person demo crew, we're not going to employ seven demo contractors, demo employees or, or that type of workflow. The other primary piece is that as we have scaled our business and our revenue line has grown, the insurance premiums that we pay are specific to what our revenue is. And if we have the labor on our payroll, it changes our classification, which means already our expense of insurance would be at a higher class, which would make it more expensive for us annually. Uh, It also, by not having any contract W-2 labor, we find that we can say yes to taking on so many more projects because it's really hard to be a hybrid company where we have some people on the payroll 
and the majority of our work in the field is by independence. Because then when do you plug in your team versus the people that you, you know are working independently of you? I can understand if you're a large union GC and you constantly are going to the union to get you know, more people and you can put a few of your team on a job. We're not set up that way. Okay. I mean, that, that makes, I mean, there's a lot of like just tactical sense to that. Like it just makes tons of sense because you'd have to, one, it, it complicates things, right? Like adding, adding people always complicates things, but then also ensure you have to make sure that those dollars make sense on the other end. So you've taken sort of the philosophy of do what you do best and outsource the rest to a whole new level instead of in, because I mean, different people do it in different different ways, but you've taken it and niched down to where you're literally just doing, pushing the paper, the bills, and managing the project, PM perspective, uh, and then everyone else is not part of your company. And is that correct? We're, uh, we're professional managers, so I'm going to just rephrase what you said, just because that with without the general in place, I can assure you, that every project from a single family residential up to the largest projects we do in design, build cannabis cultivation without the project management team and the billing submission and the change order management and the product specification and the design build knowledge, our trade partners would fail. Uh, we have a very, very, very important and forward role in anticipating the needs of the project, setting the project up for success, managing the schedule, handling the inspections. There's so much that we do that sets up our trade partners to be successful because trade partners, you know, just as far as like an umbrella, they have their own challenges. You know, if they're smaller operators getting the bids into us, getting their paperwork for invoicing into us because they're busy managing their teams that are doing the work in the field. So the office side of some of the trades is a challenge. So, I mean, we help them. It, what is it? It's helped me help you that, you know, Tom Cruise and um, Jerry Maguire, you know, help me help you. We help our trades to be successful because the, pro the processes that we've put in place to streamline our operation as we have scaled to make uniform processes, regardless of project type, and our trades have to fall in line with those billing submissions and those you know, the, the technology we use to communicate with them beyond email, we've gotten more out of them. And if they can't keep up with that, then, you know, we might move in a different direction. Uh, but it just makes a ton of sense for us to be the general and not have the payroll filled with laborers, which we work with every day anyway. So um, our business model allows us to not have to worry about the labor. It allows us to work in all these multiple states because we can hire on a large scale project that's going to go on for eight months. We can hire a site superintendent as a 1099. He is of our employee for that entire project. He is there 10 hours a day from the time the trades start to the time they close. He's responsible for the overall project. And when that project ends, that site's super, if we have another project, we might be able to you know, re-up with them. But we have our project management team, our direct field-based employees at Mosaic, our team members, they go out weekly to these projects, if not sometimes more than that, depending on the critical nature of the project. and 
we are able to manage more projects by deploying a site super on a project as needed and having him be trained on our technology and the way that Mosaic runs project management and, and get so much more in terms of volume because we don't have to rely on our team employed by Mosaic to get out there and build the wall, you know, put on the drywall, demo the space. It's just not, it's not great for our efficiency. No, that makes sense. So big question. Uh, and I guess maybe two part. So one, what does success look like, right? So what, is, what does that look like in general? Uh, and, you know, you, you've grown so much in the, the last six years here. What does three, five, 10 years look like here in the future? And, and are we getting to success at that point? So the goal is production excellence. The overarching goal at Mosaic, which is all the brands and all the projects, is production excellence. And it's, uh, you know, you can say a lot to support what that means, but in general, from design work, you know, let's just say setting expectations properly so we're aligned with our client is part of the success formula for sure. But when you talk about from design through bidding, through contract award and pre-construction into the execution of the project and punch list to close out, that's a whole life cycle where there are so many blind spots, traps, pitfalls, you know, put on your Superman cape and go, you know, make sure the project has project excellence. That is what success looks like because that makes advocate cheerleaders of our clients who will A, use us again because a lot of the cannabis multifamily and commercial clients that we have own multiple assets. And so if we do a good job on one, then there's another one and then there's another one. And so if we have... 10 clients a year that are giving us two or three projects a year, you know, we'll hire. So three years, five years, 10 years. I can't tell you that we're going to be working in 28 states versus 13 currently. Uh, cannabis is going to continue to be a, uh, a forward industry. There are still states that don't have medicinal approval. There are mo even more states that don't have adult use or recreational approval. It's obviously still not an approved uh, drug you know, by the federal government. So there are complications within the industry that we are affected by. You know, banks aren't banking, FDIC banks don't support the cannabis industry. So fundraising for the clients, the license award winners is a challenge, which means we might be affected by the fact that they don't have enough money to support what their operation needs to do. Um, my, my point in saying that is that the industry has so much room for growth. And so as we have established a brand and we're working with multi-state operators that have a national presence, that are exploring international business for cannabis that may take us to you know, a foreign country, uh, we expect that the story, if we were writing the script, would have a growth spurt into international work. That's very exciting. It requires a whole different set of skill sets from language to building codes that we would have to become proficient in fairly quickly. Yes, we would hire obviously local to that country and a site superintendent local to that country. But you can imagine that scaling a business to build something 
in in a foreign country, even if it was a home, which is a simple thing to build, uh, would have its challenges. Uh, but we're we're targeting that. Uh, you know, that's probably part of the story. Um, I think we'll always be diverse in our product surface, our, our service offering for the types of assets we work on. Uh, I don't think there's any question that we will have more team, you know, three, four team groups to be multifamily focused, to be commercial uh, makeover focused and cannabis as well. So uh, what I would really love the magic wand in my hand is to, to find rockstar talent, to bring, you know, people who want to work hard, who want to work in a team setting, who um, are independent. You know, we have work from home uh, within our company coming out of COVID that have uh, been beneficial to our team. They, they tell us in feedback that working two days a week from home and three days a week in our office is, uh, is great for them. And a happy team typically means a happy you know, ownership group in a happy company. So, you know, I, I think there's a, a bright future because culturally uh, I think we're a good place, a great place to work. Um, we're diverse enough that if you have skill sets uh, that are project experienced, there's probably a home for you. We're not even limited, frankly, by geography. Five of our team don't live in Illinois and are project managers. So they travel to our projects, but they, they are except for an annual or semi-annual team retreat where we bring everybody to, you know, our, our home base, they're working remotely. And obviously the technology of teams and our management, uh, our, our project management software allows them to never work in our, in our, you know, corporate office and still be a hugely valuable team member. So there's, there's appeal that we figured out, you know, if we want to really go national, we can find people in different states geographically as we do more work out West. We might hire somebody that lives out West and can get to those projects out West easier, but they are a W2 at Mosaic Construction. So you've already touched upon it a little bit, um, but I'm gonna ask the question anyways. There's definitely, when you're scaling the number of people that you have, processes have to also scale with it, otherwise, at some point the company breaks, right? What did that look like for you, especially since you basically five extra employees, right? In six years, like that's a that's not a small feat. What were, give us some headlines on like, what did you, what did that look like? what did you have to do? Well, so it's not just the cultural piece. There, there, yeah, there are specific skill sets that we need as at the very least proficient. And if there's expertise, then that's, you know, a huge bonus, but uh, you know, an openness to learn. There are industry standards within technologies that are used and a lot of resumes that come in front of us say, you know, they have this project management software understanding and, and proficiency. And there are many within the industry. So we're checking the box for that. Technology is a key piece because our processes to manage projects successfully to get the end goal of production excellence, you have to be uh, fluent in technology from how we organize things on the cloud-based server to using our project management software to our financial software and how those integrate. Uh, and so 
processes, checklists, forms, uh, filing protocols, naming protocols, uh, the committee work that we work on, we break the team into a variety of committees. And so there are things that just happen during the heartbeat of the business that are specific to our safety protocols, our technology protocols, our policy and procedures for what it means when you want to take a day off, what's the policy at Mosaic for how you fill out a time off request form, et cetera. So, you know, we are, we are process oriented. Uh, scaling the business required us to look at, I would say, a bigger framework as to, you know, buying licenses from existing software. It's not just writing a Word document and calling that the time off request, even though currently that is what it is. It's within an HR suite of software. So, you know, we've just uh, we've uh, embraced uh, with a little bit of kicking and screaming because it's not so easy. Technology, process improvement. We celebrate, you know, the, when we're when we're accomplishing the goal. Uh, we have certainly inspired our team with various metrics that we are uh, paying attention to, mostly on the gross profit side of our projects. You know, where we can share in a you know in an increased profit margin from where it was originally bid. And where it comes in at the end, you know, through the project. Uh, so, you know, we we do what we can to get our team as excited as possible. So, so they will, you know, put on their shield and and go to battle for us every day. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. What one thing that uh, that can happen when a team grows, uh, obviously, is distractions, right? That's just natural. You know, we do that as leaders, but um, certainly the team always needs to know, hey, which direction we're going. Like not only being a, a general for uh, the projects that you're doing, but general for uh, internal internal communication there. So, how do you, uh, what you know, what processes have been put in place? What cultural pieces kind of are there that had made you been able to say, hey? We're focusing on multiple, you know, I'm going to say industries, but different types of work. And we want to keep doing these different types of work. We don't just want to focus on cannabis. Um, you know, that might become the the bright light or the, the shiny object syndrome kind of a thing. How do you keep, you know, people focused on doing all all of the types of projects? Uh, that's a very good question. So we we certainly have breakouts within the team of these committee structures, which puts four to seven people working on an initiative. So those are typically every other week or maybe once a month, depending on you know how much movement within that committee work uh, it needs attention on. But that automatically speaks back to relationships because one of the things that's happening is as we are hiring more people, and we have people that don't live in state. So building a relationship with our Dallas-based project manager, he works with five people regularly all the time. And he is tight and he's on our team's calls for the various projects and whatever committee he's serving on. But what about the other 20 people that he doesn't have a lot of interplay with? And so every two months, we have virtual board meetings, committee reports, break the ice stuff, team uh, engagement stuff, celebrations, news of what's going on in marketing. Um, we do have meetings where we bring everybody in person, although less frequent. Uh, I think one of the things that we do very well is the transparency that I spoke of within our project with our clients. We also have charged our team 
with creating some of the budgets of the areas that they work on in the business. So the, you know, the office budget, which is computers and um, uh, the, the retreats and our office supplies, uh, that budget gets built by a team member. We show our full on spend budget with the revenue line, with the gross profit percentage we're expecting and every single breakout of a major expense for the, you know, the administrative side of our business, including insurance, car payments, whatever it is, uh, to everybody. We go through in December or early January and we actually show them what we're targeting for the year, what we expect to be our, uh, as we're hiring, we're not secretive that uh, we're bringing on, we're sourcing for this position, this position, and this position. We ask our team, not only because we want them to maybe identify a possible candidate, but they shouldn't be surprised when another production team member in their same position is coming on because they might think that is a threat to them because we're hiring that same damn position, what's going on? So we are extremely transparent with our initiatives, with our goals to get team buy-in, to create safety and transparency uh, and what our, you know, what we're doing. We uh, ask them to follow our social channels. We, you know, we celebrate uh, regularly with trade of the month awards and metric bonuses and we're, we're big birthday outfit. So, you know, we still have some of that small business, how we were rooted where we, you know, relationships always mattered. We're still, even though everyone doesn't know each other and isn't besties because they don't work in the same office, we we pay attention to connect our team uh, because I think more than anything, that is how we get the best uh, talent and get the best out of that talent on our roster. You talked a little bit about technology. So I think it's a good way, a good segue to actually talk about this aspect. You mentioned use Teams talking about Microsoft Teams and your cloud-based. So how do you leverage technology in a business to be successful and help with building scale? And then the second part to the question is, was it always, was it always perfect? God, no. Technology is not perfect. <laughs> We've actually cycled through our project management software that we use. We were considering and had signed up for and paid money toward and invested training in another platform for eight to 10 months until we realized, despite our spend and our time investment from our team, that it wasn't right, we pivoted. Yes, we've had pain points in the technology process for sure. Uh, I think, you know, one of the things that is critical is measuring. And so our, our pipeline in the prospective world you know, what are we chasing? How many proposals are we writing? Um, you know, what's our conversion rate? What's our average sale amount, if we can quantify by residential project, by multifamily project? Measuring, measuring, measuring. So, you know, my CFO partner is uh, a genius in spreadsheet and everything in the world that is measurable is spreadsheet metric measurable. And so when you talk about, you know, how do you, grow and how do you manage that and where does technology come in everything from the production excellence to the financial you know solvency of the company to the sales metrics there's so many things that we are measuring so we have data 
to support our informed decisions. If we have the pipeline and the backlog to have more money, so we have the ability to spend on one or two or three more hires, that's not a random decision. You know, it means that the monies that are gross profit ultimately translating to net profit, we're deciding as owners to spend and invest in the business. That's another key piece to just scaling in general. Sure, banks with a healthy uh, balance sheet and income statement will borrow, will lend you money, but that is a, that's a limited you know, item. If you really want to fuel growth, then you need to you know, invest in your business. And so my partners and I have always looked at our earnings as reinvesting in the business. And although, you know, we, we take a paycheck and, you know, we, we pay our bills on time, uh, we're more interested in investing in the business. And so we're also transparent, you know, because we show our team the projected budget every month that we reconcile our books, we're not sending that out to our team and said, we hit our goal, we were under or over, but they can go into the server and find our annualized budget. If they ask the question, hey, can we spend to do this or that? Is there budget left, you know, or can we make a change order to the budget so we can do this or that? And here's the benefit as to why, be it a technology piece or an outing or whatever it is. Uh, we were very open book with our team. And I think that helps, um, them. They see that we're willing to back it up and invest to help them and to grow. So they're part of something that's constantly improving. I, I think that if I was, you know, a team member for a company, a lot of the things that we're doing are creating, you know, a, a happy factor with our team. One of the mosaic actions, one of those cultural pieces is contribute to a positive environment. And those transparent actions give comfort to, you know, our team. So I, I think that that helps contribute, you know, on top of the, the birthday celebrations and all the other things that help the office, which is a busy, you know, sometimes stressful place, just based on all the projects that we are managing. It's nice to have, you know, a, a Halloween celebration as it is on Monday, we're all coming dressed you know, in costumes. Uh, if you're not dressed in a costume, you cannot get through the front door on Monday, Halloween. <laughs> That's great. So the people in the office, not everybody in the field, but you know, so everyone is coming dressed. Uh, it just, it's fun. You know, it's a good place to be. Ira, what's your Halloween costume for Monday? Shh. When is this being released? It'll be after that. So you'll be fine. <laughs> so I, I have this, uh, this cow uniform. For, uh, and it, you know, it's like you pull it on and you tie it behind and it's got udders and it's all black and white. It's actually right over there. And, uh, just because it's easy to pull that on over my, my clothes and be there for the 45 minute lunch and pumpkin carving and fun. And then I can just take it off. I don't have to get this whole assembly of a costume. I'm volunteering at a place, uh, that I was a former board member on Friday for their Halloween celebration and I'm going dressed as a Chicago bear football player with the full, the full getup. So good, good day to be a bears fan today on the recording. We beat the, we beat the Patriots yesterday. Woo. Yeah. You're not kidding. Big, big. Yeah. There you go. Big win yesterday. No doubt. 
Man, it's it sounds it doesn't sound. It is obvious that culture and how you guys are building things it, it always goes around relationships just continuously like it, everything comes back around to that is is everything uh, we've heard what kind of yeah you know, obviously you got you got the teams you got all these these project things what are the what are the technology advantages that you think are going to be for the future for you guys right so obviously you have you have a cloud set up you've got you've got your um project management system, your accounting system, you got all these things, all these stuff in place. What's, what's next? Well, that's the question. I, I, you know, I would say it's a user error. You know, so if we have the things that we have are scalable, you can put giant projects into our financial software, our project management software, our scheduling software, Outlook and Teams and Word and Excel and other things that we work with are all scalable. They're all built for scale. So having our team use the technology, uh, have access to it, you know, we will likely, uh, and this exists now, but it's just not as probably developed as it could be. The field team that is walking around with a Surface or a tablet, you know, they're working on our project management software. They're taking photos, they're marking it up. Uh, there are notes on drawings that need to be done. So I think, again, the proficiency on using, since we are a general contractor and we are targeting production excellence, which means kick-ass projects, the best way to do that is to use this you know, giant platform <laughs> to its maximum and make sure that our team is trained and proficient, if not expert, in using that. Because that will find mistakes, have a double-check system, um, and so I don't, I, I, I'm not a technology expert. I can't tell you what's coming in a construction expertise enabled software technology platform that is out there and we're, we can't wait to buy it. I would say everything that we have, because it's been with us, except for the project management software for most of our, you know, our 25, 30 years of doing large scale projects, the, the project management software the financial software are the two biggest uh, areas where if our team is awesome, we're scaling awesomely. Okay. Uh, I feel like we could talk to you about different aspects of scale for a while. However, we don't have all the time in the world, which means we got to go down to our last question. We like to ask everyone, we like to ask everyone this. If you go back in time 20 years, what would you tell yourself? Well, so I would uh, certainly tell myself to work smarter and not harder. You know, hard work is a great discipline. It requires uh, a commitment. And uh, I could have worked smarter uh, in the work that I was doing, which typically would include asking for help, you know, get buy-in from others, uh, delegate better. Uh, because the team celebrating is because they've had an important role within the resource allocation, the task delegation, the, you know, completing of the project. And I certainly would tell myself uh, in hindsight to do that. I also have learned from experience, mostly in a pain way, but, you know, with, with a good result that uh, it's important to see things from the other person's perspective or take it out to a further extreme 
of the perspective that you're focused on to check to see if there's a off the rails as you can, you know, take it out there, like take what seems like the most simple, easy process or decision and see it out further and dial back to the mode of reality that's likely. But that way you have better control of thinking about unexpected, ask for someone else's perspective on what you're thinking. So it's a to be strong enough, smart enough to ask others uh, for help that have more experience, uh, because I think more than anything, like, you know, more hands, more perspectives, less work for everybody or less mistake potential is something that I could have done a better job of when I was younger in business. I think that was a really long and wise way of talking about humility. I think if I, if we circled all the way back around, uh, it was a good way of talking about uh, humility and being able to ask others for help. So thank you for that, for those wise words. Thank you for, uh, for that. That's, uh, it's true. You know, humility is, uh, just being able to be relational and, and ask people for what you need. Um, my, my experience tells me that people like to be asked to help. Most people, if you're asked to help and it comes from a place of, you know, of truth and, and relationship, they want to say yes. You know, if you're asking for something that's way out there in left field and it's it's risky, it's unclear, it's undefined. But, you know, if you're asking simple things, I find that the answer is typically yes. And it just makes everything better. Thank you for being super real with us. That's awesome. Well, that is what we have today. We're going to put, obviously, all your social links in the, the notes. If somebody wanted to get a hold of you to, to talk about uh, culture, relationships, uh, cultivation, anything they, they think, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Well, certainly communication, uh, as we focused on, is uh, important and it's also free. You know, so a phone call to our office uh, is is great, 847-504-0177. Uh, if you want email preferred, I'm happy to receive an email from any of your listeners. Uh, it's ira, I-R-A, at Mosaic Construction. .net. You can go to our website, mosaicconstruction.net. That will take you to, to our other brand verticals so you can learn about our custom work and our cannabis work. So uh, pretty easy to find. Hopefully uh, that's not uh, the challenge that the people you know who are listening. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope not. Uh, are going to have, you know, you're a technology company. I have to imagine they know how to get on our website. I hope, I hope so. Uh, I'll throw that in the notes as well. Uh, it's been great. Uh, do you have anything else to, to tell the people? Well, I just uh, would like to say thank you uh, for, you know, finding me uh, via, you know, the World Wide Web, you know, as somebody that uh, aligns to your topic, uh, giving uh, me and, you know, the opportunity to speak on, some of my story, uh, hope that it is relative to what your listeners are looking for and uh, appreciate the opportunity to be on your show. Thank you. No, thank you. No, thank you. You've been very impactful for sure. Okay, well, uh, that's all we have for today. So uh, until next time. Adios. Thank you for joining us today and listening to this episode. If this episode did help you, then be sure to share it with someone else who needs to hear it. If you want to be a guest on the podcast or looking for additional help on your journey to find more wealth, 
scale, and freedom in your AEC company, visit our AEC resources page at spotmigration.com backslash AEC hyphen resources. <laughs>